Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 85, I think. Um, today I have a very, very special guest back on the show today, Professor Gary Alfrancione, who is the um, Distinguished Professor of Law and Nicholas de B. Katzenbach Scholar of Law and Philosophy at Rutgers University in Newark, New Jersey. He's the author of several books, Animals, Property and the Law, Rain Without Thunder, The Ideology of the Animal Rights Movement, Introduction to Animal Rights, Your Child or the Dog, Animals as Persons, Essays on the Abolition of Animal Exploitation, and um, there are some other books that I did not mention, and the latest book uh, that, was, that came out last year was The Animal Rights Debate, Abolition versus Regulation. Very, very important reads. I recommend them to everybody. Welcome to the show, Gary. It's great to have you back. Hey, it's great to be back, Elizabeth. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much for coming on. Now, what I wanted to talk about today with you was um, talking about adoption, fostering, and sanctuary work. A lot of the times, um, it's there is a big misunderstanding that when abolitionists call for vegan advocacy, unequivocal vegan advocacy, and say these welfare campaigns are detrimental and we try to provide reasonings. People, what they're hearing is you don't want to you know, help the animals now and, and they don't see a lot of the fact that there are ways to help animals now and I really want to kind of turn people onto that because I personally would love to do more adoption, rescue and sanctuary work um, Even and, and if I do ever donate money like in any way, I make sure that it's to uh, an organization that I know the money is directly going to help animals with their food or shelter or adoption fees or to keep them alive and to save their lives, basically. I think that that is a thing that oftentimes gets missed. And um, I really want, um, what I really want to do is educate other people that that is the, the if they don't want to do vegan education, then they could put all their um, energy into that instead of welfare campaigns. And I'm hoping to kind of get that dialogue going, you know, not as just a, like, just like they say veganism is part of reducing suffering, they say adoption and, and, and sanctuary work is part of saving animals' lives. It's really not. It is that, you know, those kind of works do. Um, whereas welfare doesn't, you know, so it's like, and, and veganism is not just the, the, uh, one way of reducing suffering, it's the only way to even address any suffering. So I really want to kind of get that dialogue going. And I know that you've been involved in quite a lot of promotion of um, of um, a certain shelter that has a kill list, which is just heartbreaking. And you've been doing TNR work, which I also think is important. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and what you've done and, and you know, how, how you feel about the fact that this is what I'm trying to get this dialogue about how, you know, if you put all that energy into rescue sanctuary work exponentially, you'll be helping so many lives, you know, if, you, if you're not up to doing just vegan education alone. Wow. Well, you've just raised about 4,000 questions uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'll, I'll try to deal with them. Um, uh, well, first of all, the idea, Elizabeth, that uh, welfare reform uh, is something that it's helping the animals now um, is problematic in a number of respects. I mean, if you look at most of these welfare reforms, uh, there are things that don't even take effect for many, many years, if at all. Uh, there are things which are subject to so many exceptions. Uh, and there are things which, um, which really, in the end, um, are so negligible in terms of the changes that they make, assuming that they're ever implemented sometime in the future and that the implementation is enforced. Uh, the, 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 the actual reduction in suffering um, 
is in my judgment highly questionable uh and and uh, uh i mean it is i i the, the the image that i use all the time is it's the difference between being waterboarded on a bare waterboard or on one that's got you know a small amount of padding is there a difference well there may be uh is it significant and is it going to um is is it meaningful to the person being tortured and the answer is uh, probably not and so I think most of these welfare reforms are, are, are akin to saying, well, let's have some padding on the waterboard and we'll phase that in over a 15-year period, but there'll be exceptions that for uh, X number of people or X, certain types of, uh, of prisoners will not get this benefit because there'll be lots of exceptions and we'll have really no effective enforcement mechanism. And that's really what you have in terms of animal welfare reform. Most of these campaigns fit that model uh, in, in, in all or at least some of those respects. So I'm not sure why anyone thinks as a factual matter these welfare reforms do anything to reduce suffering now. But but this is a this is a constant I I've done podcasts about this. I've written about this. This is um it, it just as you know, uh, children believe in Santa Claus, or some children believe in Santa Claus. There are a lot of animal people who who just have this um, this fantasy view that welfare reform is doing something to help animals now, and that's simply not the case. Uh, so that's point number one. Um, point number two, um, you mentioned veganism as as a, uh, you know there, there's a, there's a real issue right now amongst uh, people who care about. Um, Amongst people in the in the animal protection movement, broadly defined, as to whether or not veganism is a way of reducing suffering, so that you know, if someone says, "Well, I'm a vegan," and someone else says, "Well, I eat cage-free eggs," well, you're both involved in reducing suffering, so there's really no difference, and there's really not a lot to say normatively about about uh, either position, as long as someone is doing something to reduce suffering. That's really all that matters, and and I th- I think that that misconstrues. Um, the notion of veganism and what it means, at least as I've tried to develop that term. Veganism is a fundamental uh, tenet of justice. It's not a question of simply reducing suffering, although I do think veganism does reduce suffering by reducing demand. Um, but but I, um, I think that uh, uh, it's more than that. It's a, it's, a, it's a moral commitment to the rejection of the notion that animals are commodities or that animals are things. And it's a recognition that if animals are members of the moral community at all, basic duties of justice require that we not eat, wear, or use them at, at a minimum. So, so um, now going on to talking about uh, rescue work and shelter work and things like that, this is very complicated. And uh, I'll tell you why. This morning I did a radio show out of New York City, uh, and um, the topic was um, – uh, vegetarianism and um and i was making the point that i work with a lot of people who do rescue work and um these are people who spend an enormous amount of their time uh and a lot of their emotional energy uh and uh and their resources uh both you know both financial and, and and emotional they spend doing this rescue work and then they go home and they eat animal products and i encounter lots of them it's very very common um as a matter of fact most of the people the overwhelming number of people i know who do rescue work are not vegans uh 
Now, I'm sure a lot of them are. I'm just saying the ones that, I mean, I, you know, I've, I haven't done an empirical survey of everyone in the United States or any place else that does rescue work, how many of them are vegan. And I suspect a, a good chunk of them are, but a good chunk of them are, at least in my experience. And certainly the ones that I worked with, um, and, and I've worked with uh, a number of them over the years, very few of them have been vegans. Now, some of them have become vegans um, along the way. And, and um, you know, after we have discussions about it and after they think about it, uh, they become vegan. But, um, but by and large, uh, th- they're not. And a lot of them eat meat and dairy products and, and, and whatnot. And it's, it's sort of bizarre to me in certain respects because uh, these, are not, these, are, these are people who really care. Now, I don't really know what the explanation is there, and and I don't know whether it's just that there are some people uh, who do rescue work who um, who uh, 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 fetishize certain species of animals, like you know they like dogs, and you know they 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 so they'll do things to help dogs, or they like cats, so they'll do things to help cats, or they like you know whatever you know hamsters or fish or you know whatever species of animal that that they like those animals uh, that species uh, 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 that species of animals, and so they'll they'll try to do things to help those animals, but they don't really care about animals as a general matter. There are some people like that. You know, there well, are. I mean, are we not talking about the general? Um, that is just the general sort of. Uh, that's the general state of society as we know it. I mean, what you said is like you don't really know why these, why a lot of them aren't vegans. I would say the reason is because there's been no vegan advocacy ever on the planet to any decent scale, and the, you know these these people are just like other people who who love their cats and dogs. These people actually devote their, you know more of their time to rescuing you know other cats and dogs. But it's the general, it's the norm, isn't it? So they're kind of just a subsection of society yeah, of the general. I, I mean, Right. In a sense, in a sense, it is a manifestation of the moral schizophrenia of people who you know have dogs and cats and other animals in their houses and they love them and yet they eat other animals. And and you know that's something I've been pointing out for like a few decades now. Um, and it is it is odd and it is confused delusional thinking. But 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 what I'm talking about are these people who you know they're not just people who have a dog in their house and love their dog or something. These are people who you know they have a job they have families and every moment of their spare time you know they don't go on vacations they don't spend time with you know they don't spend time doing things that they would like to do they're always involved with with rescue work and and um this i find really very interesting uh, because they don't really seem to sort of to 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 get the point and 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 as you say quite correctly we don't really have uh we you know we've never um, I, I get a, I get a charge out of these people who say, "Well, vegan advocacy doesn't work." Well, as I've been saying, as I've been saying for about twenty years now, why don't we give it a try, and then we can t- then we can we can determine whether it works? Because I think it does work, and in my experience, it certainly does work. And I think that um, I think uh, the vegan movement is making. Uh, uh, some some significant uh, 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 progress given given the limited amount of resources uh, that that uh, that are available relative to these large organizations. I think there is progress that's being made, and I think that uh, vegan education, creative nonviolent vegan education, does work. And and I can, um, as I said in the book that I wrote with. Uh, uh, Robert Garner, the animal rights debate, uh, in response to his observation that, well, you know, vegan education hasn't worked. And my response to Robert is my response to anybody else who makes the same observation. 
can you please tell me I must have missed something because I don't remember our ever trying it in the first place. So like, can you tell me when it is we did it because I missed it? Um, to the extent that animal organizations talk about veganism, they talk about it. it it's, it's one of a number of things that they talk about and they mostly talk about it in the consequential sense of it reducing suffering. They don't talk about it in the non-consequential sense of it being a fundamental principle of justice. They don't talk about it as an unequivocal moral baseline. Uh, they talk about it as, as – um, they talk about it as a, in, a, in the consequentialist way of reducing suffering. So it doesn't really um, – become a central focus. I mean, I think it's really very interesting because because um uh even people uh, uh who identify, well, I I think that that observation is fair across the board. I I think the the large organizations for the most part do not promote veganism as a moral baseline. They promote it in the consequentialist way, if at all. Yes, a lot of them don't promote it. But if they do promote it, they promote it in sort of a consequentialist way. And they also portray veganism as sort of a very difficult thing. It's sort of the, the, her, it's the Herculean step that you take if you really care, rather than portraying it as easy. I get a, I, that's something that it's really very interesting. Whenever I tweet or put something on Facebook or something in which I say, go vegan, it's easy. That I get hostile comments. I get angry. People get angry with me and they say, no, it's not easy. And I say, well, yes, I think it's very easy. Um, and, and they say, well, no, it's not because what happens if, you know, you live in, you know, the, the, you know, the, the northern part of Alaska in which there's like, you know, 17,000 feet of snow and, you know, there's, a, you know, there's only one day of sun every six years or something. And, and the answer is, well, do you live there? Uh, well, no. Um, well, then what are you worried about? And and actually people who live in places like that have virtually everything flown in. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's, it's not a question that, it's not a question that, you know, well, they have certain, certain resources available to them there that they must use. No, in fact, um, people who live in uh, these remote places are by and large getting shipments of, of various things in on, on, on a regular basis. And, and um, uh, so, so I think, you know, this, this idea that, um, you know, so, 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 the, so even people uh, who are inclined towards veganism like to portray it or, or are, are well, I don't know if they like to portray it, but they certainly do portray it as difficult. And so, so you know, there, there, there really hasn't been a vegan education campaign to speak of uh, and certainly not one in which veganism has been promoted as the, the moral baseline. I mean that's really in many ways what I've been trying to do in my own work is to say, you know, veganism is not just a lifestyle. It is not just a way of reducing suffering. It's a fundamental moral commitment. It's a statement that you're making about the commodification of non-human animals. It's a question. It's a statement that you're making about the status of non-human animals as things. It's a political statement, much more than it is um, a lifestyle or a diet or anything like that. Indeed, it goes beyond diet because it involves eating, wearing, using, etc. And so, so I think that. Um, I think that uh, there, there really hasn't been that sort of effort. And I, I, I would say 
given the relatively short period of time that um, this idea has been it, it has been uh, going around on the internet and, and in other uh, other fora, I would say it's caught on remarkably, um, and I think people are very open to it. And I think a creative, uh, a nonviolent vegan education campaign uh, is a terrific uh, uh, use of resources. Getting back to the um, getting back to the issue of rescue. Um, I see it changing in a lot of ways because I do see more and more people who are involved in rescue starting to think about the larger issues. Um, but I do think, though, that um, that at least in my experience, rescue still remains largely idiosyncratic and that people sort of develop likes uh, or they have likes for particular types of animals and so they spend time trying to rescue those animals. Uh, I find it even more bizarre with these sanctuaries because you have sanctuaries which are rescuing farm animals um, and yet there are people who work at those places who aren't vegan and a lot of those sanctuaries aren't themselves vegan. Now there are there are some uh, 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 places that are that are uh, uh, emerging now. There's a, a peaceful prairie out in Colorado, which uh, which promotes veganism. Uh, there is uh, another one in New Jersey uh, called For the Animal Sanctuary. And um, as a matter of fact, I I hope to take. Um, the seminar that uh, we'll be teaching on human rights and animal rights. Um, uh, we're going to be doing a, a seminar this fall, and I'm thinking of taking the uh, the students there for a field trip uh, to to sort of because many many students have never really encountered farm animals before, and uh, I have not yet met with my class. But my guess is that um, most of them uh, are probably aren't vegans. There may be there may be some vegans there already, but but uh, probably most of them aren't, and many of them may not have really thought about this issue. So um, I thought it would be an interesting thing to do. It would be to go and um, go to uh, Blairstown and visit the sanctuary, which is something we might do, depending on whether my, uh, my students um, uh, would, uh, would like to do that. I think it would be uh, an interesting uh, uh, use of a Saturday afternoon or something to go and, uh, go and visit a sanctuary. But there are sanctuaries that are now promoting veganism. Uh, and uh, but again, you know, they're 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 uh, few and far in between. There are a lot of sanctuaries that don't. And um, and you know, and again, I understand, I understand the problem. I mean, you know, you're running a sanctuary. Sanctuaries are extremely expensive to run, um, and so you want your donor base to be. Uh, as large as you can make it, and so you don't want to promote veganism because you're afraid if you promote veganism, you're going to cut down on your your donations, and you need the donations to you know as, as sanctuaries. Depending on the well, I mean, sanctuaries are expensive operations. So I do understand that people who are involved in these things um, are are. Uh, Sort of constantly in a, in a in a state of panic, trying to raise money to keep these places going. Uh, having said that, I do think that um, I mean, if you look at Peaceful Prairie, for example, I think that they've been uh, a successful uh, sanctuary, and they've pretty much from the beginning. I mean, I I I I, I believe I was. Uh, I mean, I believe I I knew them. Uh, pretty much at the outset of their existence they've they've been i mean maybe they were around 
for a while before I encountered them, but I don't think a long time before I encountered them. And they've been promoting veganism pretty pretty steadily. Um, exactly. I mean, again, I don't. I, I mean, I, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't really follow these. Or I don't. You know, I don't know exactly what other things these organizations support. So if they, they may support campaigns that I don't, I, I don't, I don't really know. So I don't mm-hmm. want to sort of say, no, that, I understand. That- I understand. I agree with you. And you know what I was going to say is like, there one, for example, they're an example that a, a sanctuary can promote veganism and, and survive. And not only that, all of the, all of the people, uh, you know, the sanctuaries are in desperate need of money. And as we know, and that's why I'm trying to um, tell people who are giving money to um, places like PETA or to the, in New Zealand save, or something for their pig campaigns, put all that money, give that to the sanctuaries, and at the same time, urge them to promote veganism and let them know that there's a, you know, we'll give them all the money, but there's ways to promote veganism without alienating the donor base of your your, uh, sanctuary people. If you just put it out there, but concentrate, um, when when you're soliciting donations, concentrate on the individuals in the sanctuary that, I mean, I don't run a sanctuary, but I'm just saying that, you know, um, I just, the, the, the people who are vegan could be giving the, the, the millions of dollars um, that, are, that are given, so, some of that is being given by vegans to, to like PETA and places like that. Some of that is being given by vegans. And if they gave their money directly to sanctuaries, they know for a fact that they're helping animals. And if they help to sort of raise that awareness as well. So it's doing vegan education as well as giving money to a sanctuary. Because I in New Zealand, there is not one single sanctuary that promotes veganism. Not one. In fact, uh, in fact, I did. I went on the sanctuaries that I um, a few of them that I listed, and I did a search, a web, a website search for the word vegan, and some of them it didn't come up at all. Like did the word didn't even appear anywhere on the website. Now there is a um, rescue. Um, a, a rescue operation that is locally run, Animal Rehoming, which I actually did a, a podcast um, about that a long time ago. Um, they um, have put some v- vegan um, advocacy on their website. It is just it's 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 mixed in with a whole bunch of of um, of um, welfare advocacy. But they did actually do that. But they didn't used to do that. But they do now. But it's still I still have to put a disclaimer when I when I. Because I, I mean, I want to help these sanctuaries. I want to help. I can, I can, you know, I can. Um, we can help these animals continue to live. We can help rescue organizations. But we always have to have that disclaimer that, like, you know, look. I mean, you know, they're they're still um, not promoting, like you say, the fundamental issue of justice. So it's never going to end unless we unless we do that. And um, so, um, with regard to what you're saying about the, them soliciting donations and things like that, you know, if you create more, you know, if if you help the vegan movement, there'll be more vegans. And and if we educate people on 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 just the obvious that like if you want to help animals now there are millions of animals who need food who need homes who need water who are living who are going to die and and you know the the um you don't have to um you know blow up a building or something like that um to go get them and um and put all the you no know, no indeed if you do you'll end up killing the ones that live in the walls <laughs> right exactly um, you know i mean it's look I mean, I understand. Look, let me be clear. I I understand the frustration uh, when you look at the world and you realize the massive amount of of uh, the massive numbers, just the sheer numbers of animals that we exploit. It's just stunning. But you know, the number of people that we exploit is pretty stunning as well, and the number of of um, of, of you know, I mean, twenty nine thousand 
Somali children under the age of five died in the past 90 days, while in the past 90 days, 75,000 Americans died of obesity-related illnesses. I mean, when you think about the sort of the craziness of the world, I can understand how, um, you know, it, 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 um, people, people who, who, are, who are unhappy with the status quo are really unhappy and sometimes find themselves um, uh, frustrated and unable to know uh, how to respond. But the one thing that is clear to me is that um, if you want today, if you really want to help an animal today, right now, this Sunday afternoon, if you really want to do something, get in the car and go and drive to uh, a local shelter and adopt somebody or foster somebody who's going to be killed. I mean, they're, they're, almost every major city has a pit bull problem because, you know, pit, bull, pit bulls have a, a horrible rep. They're the sweetest dogs on the earth. I mean, they're very sweet dogs. Um, and, and, but they've got a horrible reputation. And if you look at most of the, most of the, the large cities here, a large portion of the, of, the, of the types of animals that are being killed are pit bulls. Um, and, and so, you know, they, they're, pit bulls are constantly in, 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 um, in need of fostering and adoption. Um, and, you know, so go and rescue one of them. And if you can't and, do it, if you don't have the car or something and you have some money that you want to give to, sure. to help animals now, you can help those animals now. And that's what I'm absolutely, absolutely. Know. You can get them because a lot of them, a lot of these animals have medical needs. So, so if they're going to be pulled by an organization out of these shelters, they're going to need veterinary care. So they need commitments of money. And so, you know, a, a, a donation given so that some poor little pit, pit bull can get out of a shelter, be pulled by a, a rescue group and get some veterinary care and then be put up for adoption after the scars are, are healed that the dog endured as a result of the fact that the dog was a bait dog or that the dog was horribly mistreated by um, some hideous situation, uh, you know, you can actually do something um, for those animals with that money. And, and um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I think that, um, uh, you know, you're exactly right uh, to be, to be uh, uh, thinking in this direction that, you know, if, if you want to, I mean, I always tell people, look, if you care about animals, you, there are two things you could do right now, right today, right today, Stop eating them, wearing them, and using them. Just stop it. Just you know, stop putting them in your mouth. Don't buy any more animal clothing. Don't buy stuff that has animal products or ingredients in it. You know, in terms of shampoos and other sorts of stuff. And and um, you know, and just just get it out of your life. And then if you can, because not everybody can. You know, not everybody can afford it or whatever. Um, if you can. Uh, adopt an animal. If you can't because you don't have the space or you don't have the money or whatever, but maybe you can foster an animal for a while because you know foster homes are needed. That there, there, there's, you know, for every person who fosters, there's like you know, there's 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 need for you know five thousand more, and so foster and foster an animal for a while. Or if you can't even do that, um, you know, contribute to some of these funds that um, provide veterinary care for animals that that. We'll have a chance uh, to get a permanent home if they are, um, you know, if they're adopted, um, but they need veterinary care and the veterinary care costs money. So, so um, you know, uh, uh, those are the sorts of things you can do. You can do that right now today. You don't have to, it, it, you know, you, it, you know and, and I even, you know, there's a, there's a um, I mean, Elizabeth, the sorts of 
I know this will sound simplistic to you, but I mean, I get this all the time. People say, well, you know, but what about human issues? Don't you care about human rights? And the answer is, yes, of course I care about human rights. And I actually spend a great deal of my time working on human rights issues as well. But, I, you know, whatever you're doing, if you're doing, you know, if, if, if you, Elizabeth, choose that you want to spend your time um, doing advocacy for battered women or for abused children or whatever. Um, I think that's great. I wouldn't just, I wouldn't say, Elizabeth, don't do that because animals have a bigger claim on you. I would say that's fine. I would say, but you know what, Elizabeth, when you're doing your battered women advocacy, you've got to eat several times a day. When you eat, don't eat animal products. Um, you got to get dressed in the morning to go to your, you know, to, to or, or to whatever, you know, to engage in your 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 battered women or abused children advocacy uh, efforts. Uh, you can't go naked, so don't buy animal clothing. Don't wear animal clothing. Uh, and you know, you're going to wash your hair um, in the morning um, or whenever you're going to wash it. Um, don't use stuff that's got animal products in it. And but keep on doing the battered women work. Keep on doing the the abused child work. Keep on doing the 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 inner city racism and homelessness work. I mean, you know, I mean, I I I um I have uh, for for some time now uh, focused efforts on homeless issues in Newark, New Jersey. And, um, and I find that work very satisfying. And I try to combine it with my vegan work in the sense that I never pass up an opportunity when I'm talking with people who are doing uh, homeless advocacy. Um, I'm, I never pass up an opportunity uh, to talk about veganism. Um, but, uh, but, you know, when I'm doing that, when I start, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm uh, um, in the middle of working with someone trying to help that person uh, get the legal documents together so that that person can qualify for uh, subsidized housing um, and I'm, I'm, I'm working with that, I have to stop and I have to consume something. And so I, I don't, you know, I eat a salad instead of a hamburger. Um, and if I have that person with me, if I'm working with that person and we go out to lunch together, we go to a place where that person has a, a, a vegan food. And I explain why I'm a vegan and how I see this all fitting together. So, um, you know, th- th- we don't need to sort of segment these things off. Um, and, and um, you know, these things are all, you know, we, 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 we really don't, we really don't need, need, need to do that. So, so, um, but, but I do, I do um, uh, think that people can do an enormous amount um, if you care about animals, yes, we're fighting a, a huge, a huge, huge battle. Uh, per capita consumption of animal products is going up. And I believe, I mean, I think there are certain reasons for that. Um, and and um, one of the reasons is because the, particularly in the West, the large animal protection organizations are making people feel better about consuming animals. It was interesting to me. I was having a discussion with um, with someone not long ago who said, "Well, why do you think?" And this is a, a, this person said, "Why do you think that uh, these these uh, labels, you know, uh, like uh, the Humane Choice label? I think you have the Humane Choice label there in Australia, don't you?" In New Zealand, they've got the freedom. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that, you, okay. you're, you're New Zealand. Yes. That's all um, right. I'll forgive but, you. But yes, no, it's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Okay, we have a, the Freedom Foods, the SPCA Freedom Foods. Okay, label. all right. So you have Freedom Foods. Australia's got Humane something Choice. Something like that, I think. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, I don't Brit- even know what we've got. It's something like that. Brit- Freedom Farms. Britain's got yeah. Brit- Britain's got Freedom Food. Uh, okay. That's
that's an RSPCA wow. thing. Um, uh, and uh, we've got certified, raised, uh, uh, certified, 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 humane, raised and handled. And we've got the animal compassionate uh, business here. And and I find it an almost comical question when someone says to me, why do you think that that encourages people to consume animal products? And the answer is, why in hell would they have the why why do you think they have these labels because they think they don't work exactly. <laughs> i mean do they do, do you think that they have these labels because they they think that they have no marketing effect that they have no i mean if you go on the 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 website of the RSPCA for example i i wrote it quite at length about this in the animal rights debate the the book i did with garner i i um i looked at the RSPCA website and they've got all this material on there about how we will partner with you to help your marketing efforts and 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 that's also on the certified humane raised and handled label here in the states i mean they talk explicitly about partnering with industry to help promote their animal products well you know so then to ask me well how do you know um <laughs> i know i saw that comment or i think i heard that it was an interview that you did and um it was fantastic i think it was in the interview that you did um recently um was it on bob linden uh, oh, yeah. I think yeah. he asked yeah. you, and I, and I actually, I, I loved it because I, I had never thought of that response, and um, it's just, it's just fantastic. It's like if you don't think they work, why are you promoting them? You know, but put it this way, Elizabeth. If they didn't work, there wouldn't be, you know, the zillion of them that there are. There are, there are these, so these, these, oh. these, these happy meat labels are springing up like, uh, uh, like you know, know, weeds in the summertime. I, it's, it's, I mean, they it's, it's, are. My country as well. It's just, it's, and the restaurants are right on board, and the restaurants are right on board. We have only grain, you know, farm, you know, we have free. The, the restaurant menus are sickening to read, and it's like all the trendy restaurants have. We have, you know, free range um, organic chicken eggs, and everything's with this label. But you know what you said before about not segmenting things off. We do have to segment off from welfareism. That's what I'm trying to say with this, with this whole like, let's. Can you imagine if all the people who gave their money and their time to these campaigns put it into rescue and adoption? Oh and no, I, I, I. Agree. We. I agree. We got to just. And you know what's really what's really a, a, it's a shame. I mean, I realize there's, there's not a there's not a lot you can do about it. The situation is what it is. But you know, you try to make these arguments, or I try to make these arguments, and and um, you know, and I say, well, look, you know, as an empirical matter, why do we believe these welfare reforms work? I mean. First of all, they they don't most of them don't come into effect for years, and secondly, there are all sorts of exceptions. And thirdly, animal welfare reforms, as a historical matter, are are very rarely enforced. Uh, I mean, ca- case in point, for example, look at Freedom Food in 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 the United Kingdom. How many scandals have there been so far? I mean, and that hasn't been going all that long. How many scandals have there been so far about farms that have the Freedom Food uh, approval? Uh, uh, rating uh, involved in, in doing all sorts of hideous things to animals, um, and and you know and so so um, you know these welfare reforms. It's it, it's not clear to me what the empirical proof is, is that they that they work. As a matter of fact, the empirical proof is quite the contrary. Um, and secondly, the empirical evidence indicates that they actually make people feel better about consuming animals, which is why. We have them in the first place and why we have those campaigns in the first place and why we have those labels in the first place. And instead of getting a response um, to, to these substantive points, it's 
you get called names. It's 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 sort of sad. I mean, I understand. I understand they have nothing. To say. I I do I do I do sympathize. They have nothing to say. I understand that. I understand that their arguments are different. I mean, if they have something to say, I'd really like to hear it. I really would like to hear what it is they have to say because I enjoy engaging people in discussion about this, and so I. You know, I would, I would, so, so if somebody said, I mean, one of the great joys about writing the book with Robert is that Robert and I disagree very strongly with each other. Um, but we were able to talk to each, I mean, you know, we have very different perspectives. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, now I, I don't think, I mean, Robert at least tries to engage the abolitionist perspective. And and he and, you know and he says, look, I really think that these welfare reforms are better than nothing, and and that the welfare reforms are moving in a progressive direction. And then I make my responses to him, and then he makes his responses to me, and we go back and forth. And people can read the stuff, and they can determine who you know w- which argument they think is stronger. Um, and and that's great. But at least you know, Robert and I got through an entire book without calling each other a name. I mean, I, I, I didn't like his use of the word fundamentalist because I think that – and he tried to explain that, and I accept, I accept his explanation. I just think that at a time when that um, expression is connected with, um, with uh, uh, all sorts of problematic notions, uh, I, didn't, I, I, I don't particularly like that label. Um, but, but I understand, you know, and I understand. Yeah, it was a, it was a very good, good read for, for those, for those reasons with regard to the fact that, uh, you know, at least, at least it was engaging, but you know how you said about how there's no empirical evidence and, and, you know, I've tried to convince um, people and they won't listen, but I'll tell you what, there is empirical evidence that if you give money and if you adopt an animal or if you provide a sanctuary with funds to feed and care for their animals, that's empirical evidence that you're saving lives and you're keeping animals alive. So they, that can't be argued with, surely. I mean, I'm reaching out. I'm, I'm desperately – for a thing, I want, I, want these, I want these people who are – I want these, these, rest, these animals to have a chance of – you know, more of them to have a chance of, of being rescued and living. I can't – you know, I, I, it kills me that I can't do more in that regard personally. So this is like a I, – I feel like, you know, let's sort of – get that dialogue going um, because imagine all the help that, that that will come if people do decide to to, to, to take the, the money they've been putting into these campaigns, whether or not they agree with the, with the empirical evidence that we, you know, the, I don't really go into statistics that much. And I'm not very good at it, but you can't deny that when you take a, a foster an animal from a kill shelter, you've saved a life. And if a hundred people do it, you've saved a hundred lives. I mean, that is empirical. So, you know, can we, can we try to sort of take it there? Because like you say, you try to sort of give these arguments and people don't listen so i think i'm going to try a different tack because i do want to help the shelters and i do want to help the sanctuaries not only do i want them to to sort of learn about veganism themselves but i want to to get this the, these other people thinking okay look if i can't convince you about about the welfare reform but you know at the you know at the very least can i convince you that you know there is empiric- yes i agree with you that the best most direct way to help an animal right now this afternoon is go to a shelter and save that animal from being killed. I mean, I, I, I have 
um, we, we have over the years adopted a number of animals uh, who have health problems, who are older animals. As a matter of fact, we, 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 we've gotten a number of older animals. Um, we've gotten blind animals. We've gotten deaf animals, you know, animals that aren't, that, that may not be um, as easily adoptable as other animals and, 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 and uh, you know, whatever. And um, as a matter of fact, the last uh, animal that we, the last dog that we adopted was um, a golden retriever mix who had been dumped at a shelter, a kill shelter, at age nine. And, um, you know, that's, that's, um, that's, that's older for a dog, a large dog like that. And then she was brought, she was adopted out and then brought back the following day. Um, and, uh, with the report that she did not get along well to other dogs. And so we knew, um, when we saw that, when we saw that situation, uh, we knew that that dog was, um, was, uh, not long for this world. And we went over that afternoon, actually, we went over and, and got her and, um, she is, uh, not, not only does she get along with everybody else in the house, but she's sort of become the den mother and, Christine, and right. Yes, that's Christine, and she's a wonderful, wonderful dog, uh, and she's in great shape, and she's 11 now, and you'd never know it. Uh, she's on a vegan diet. She's, she's, she loves her vegan food. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that, that um, you know, we can't – you know, there are all sorts of empirical questions, although, as I say, um, I find it difficult to understand why people say <laughs> – Me too. Give me- Give me the evidence. Why, why, why do you think welfare reform makes people feel better about exploiting animals? And the answer is because it exists. Um, and because it exists and because it brings in so much money, that's why. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, but I agree with you that the best thing you can do is, is – I mean, look, Elizabeth, if everybody today – you know, if you stopped eating animals, wearing animals and using animals and went out and adopted a dog or a cat or a mouse or a fish or whatever, you know, sort of animal they could afford and had room for, uh, the world would be a hell of a better place. Would it be a perfect place? No. There's lots of, lots of issues we have to work on. There's, you know, there's child abuse. There's the abuse of women. There's poverty as a general matter. There's the exploitation of, of, of uh, you know, various, various places for their natural resource. I mean, there's all sorts of injustices in the world and and um and and you know that that we need to be working on but um you know but at least uh that part of the equation i think would look a lot better if we all stopped eating wearing and using them and um and we all uh, and we all adopted or fostered or helped financially to support the veterinary care that's a very very important thing to do uh to support veterinary care for animals because i'm telling you look all you need to do is look at these kill lists that 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 are posted every night out of the new york city animal care and control so many of those animals are animals that need veterinary care Right, exactly, and, exactly. And those, and, you yeah, know, and, that kill And that's one of the things. Um, animal rehoming and um and is run in Auckland. It's a very small organization. I think it's just a two people, a husband and wife, even. But they, I mean, they're they do amazing work. And part of what they do on their website, which I think is really good, and I haven't seen any other websites doing it, is they have current vet bill. I mean, they 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 owe money to vets. I mean, they're well known to the vets, and the vets help them as best they can. But the vets want to pay their bills, and vets are businesses. So on their front page is not only these animals need adopting and da da da. They actually have the vet bill, 
You know, we are, you know, vet bill currently stands at 850. Vet bill currently stands at 3,000, you know. So you know, you, when you, if, you're give, if you give them whatever you can, you're, you're helping that, that, that bill, bill, bill to, to, to go down or you're helping to pay for an operation and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's very much a very real thing that, that you know, um, that, that we have to support. And I find it sad that, that, you know, there's not a lot of vegan advocacy there, but it, you know, if we, uh, that, that's why I did that web, website the way I did. And I hope that people realize that even though I've got this big disclaimer, I'm starting a website that I'm trying to sort of create this New Zealand vegan sort of abolitionist website. I'm not very good at this kind of thing, but, and um, I've, yes, I list, well, I, the design and stuff, I need like a, a proper website person. It's just a template and it's, you know, but w- w- what I'm saying is like, I really want these, sh- you know, I support the, sa- I support the, re- it's for the residents. It's for the, the, the victims, you know, that I'm, I can't, they can't help what they're, you know, what they're sort of caretakers are promoting it's not the animals can't help that but they do empirically will empirically be helped and so i really want people to understand that you know although i don't support the links and the things like that um if you want to help animals now you can and it's very easy to do with regard to even myself if i if i can't adopt anyone or foster anyone at the moment i know that if i give money to animal rehoming or to a sanctuary or to you know um to help adoption and fostering if, you know in any way i'm i'm helping save lives and that and that is very very um true it's not a lie um can i ask you about how because another thing I think would be great is if more vegans do this and if more, you know, if, if, and I mean like everybody's like, I do it already. And I'm like, you don't understand. I want to completely get the, get the welfare stuff. Just get rid, just go, just forget it. Just, just forget it. Like leave that to the organizations and their non-vegan donors. You're vegans. You want to help animals now let's all put out as much energy as we can into that and um but i'm curious and, I, and also part of that is vegan advocacy because you're working with people who are dedicating their lives and like you say they're a they're a sub sub segment of the general society that fetishizes certain animals and blah 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 with regard to um working with these people who are not vegan who are running yes. who are engaging in this kind of stuff i think if vegans get involved not only are there they can feel good about helping animals now and they can actually see the lives they're saving see them living they are also can be vegan advocates in that field and if we create a a vegan um, education around these rescues and and um, around the people who are doing that as well and get them turned on to veganism but in your experience are they any more open to it or is it sort of just a typical is it just the same subsection of general society when you talk to these people about veganism the ones who are dedicating their lives yeah. to, to pit bulls or do you even get a chance to talk to them how do you find oh it? i i never miss an opportunity right. to talk so, to them about so how do you find uh, that with them with these types of people i uh i find that um they are pretty much reflect the this, i get the sorts of reactions i get from people as a general matter um some people are very uncomfortable about it when i raise it and they would prefer that I not raise it in the same way that if I'm at someone's house who's, you know, playing with um, uh, a dog or a cat or expressing affection to a dog or a cat. And I say, gee, you know, it's sort of crazy that, you know, you love your dog and cat this much, but that you eat pigs and chickens and fish and whatnot. Um, you know, people get uncomfortable about that. And um, but but I, I find actually I, I, I must say. I find most people are willing it's you know Elizabeth education is a matter of like how do you do it and and um I, uh some sometimes I I think that the most important thing to do 
when you're trying to educate someone about these issues and uh, is, is, is to do it in a, in a way in which you don't come across as judgmental where you're making it clear that you're not challenging the sincerity of the person that you're, that, that you're, you're, you're talking to. Um, you're, you're talking about actions, not about you know their their moral status as as individuals, um, and I think that that's really important that we not uh, come across as judgmental, which is a, a, another sort of humorous thing of the welfareists or some welfareists claiming that um, the abolitionist approach is judgmental, and the answer is well, <laughs> not as far as I'm concerned. It's not a question. And interestingly, Elizabeth, you know, I wrote a I wrote an editorial or a blog essay some time back about. Um, about uh, some, well, actually, it was I think it was the last blog essay I did um, about the egg uh, uh, deal, U.S. deal, yeah. And I ended by saying I wasn't criticizing, I wasn't questioning the sincerity of the people involved. Uh, I, I was, I was, um, I just think that they're sincerely wrong. And I got a number of emails from people uh, who were really upset that I said that. And said, you know, the that no, these people are insincere, and blah 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 blah. Oh, and, wow! I wasn't expecting you to say that. Yeah, no, I got another. Well, I, I, you know, I got other emails as well. But I mean, I, 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 I mean, one of one of the 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 messages I got pretty pretty loudly and clearly from a lot of people was that, uh, no, these people aren't aren't being sincere. And my response is, you know what? You don't know that, and I don't know that. Um, and and um, I'm willing to accept that. Um, you know that 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 uh, there are people involved in this work who have uh, views, you know, that that may be wildly different from mine, um, but uh, but they believe them sincerely. Uh, that's not the point. The point is not, you know. Look, I'm I'm very very critical of uh, the welfare movement. And um, but that doesn't mean that I question the sincerity of the people who are involved in it. Um, and I'm very critical of PETA, but I don't question the sincerity of Ingrid Newkirk. And I don't think it's productive. And I actually um, am saddened when I hear people who disagree with PETA uh, attack Ingrid personally uh, or question her sincerity or her motivation personally, because I don't really think that's the issue. Um, the issue is not. I mean, you know, let's talk about let's talk about the 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 actions let's talk about the campaigns let's talk about the issues let's not you know i i I actually have personally i have no doubt that um uh many if not most of the people involved uh in the welfare movement are sincere on a personal basis they really do believe uh the positions that they take um and they're not you know they're not sort of sitting there saying oh well you know um i don't really believe what i'm saying but i'm just doing it uh because i'm heading up a large organization or because it brings in lots of money or whatever um and i think to the you know i mean i mean obviously those sorts of things um have 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 influences on people uh, um, the fact that I'm a law professor would certainly influence me. If you started ar- arguing that we ought to get rid of the legal profession, I would have a vested interest in arguing for the continuation of the legal profession because that's the way that goes. But I don't think it's really a question of sincerity, Elizabeth, and I think we really need to get away from the really um, uh, unproductive and um, 
you know, uh, it's unproductive to engage in this name calling and question people's sincerity and 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 um, and and make the issue the personal motivation or the personal sincerity of people. That's really not what it's about. It's about issues. Let's talk about issues. And I think if we did that, we'd be much better off than making it an issue of personalities. I couldn't agree more. But let me ask you as an educator, okay, what, for example, I um, had an experience today um, where um, a um, – because you, you're saying like you can't be judgmental. You have to make it about people's actions and not about them. But they're going to make it about them because the actions you're talking about are their actions. And that's unavoidable. So what do you do? You're, you're talking about the actions they're doing. So they're going to take it as judgment on them. What do you – how do you avoid well, that? I mean, by making it clear that, you know, I always say or almost always say something explicit. Um, I mean, it, look, it depends on the on the interaction. I mean, one thing one thing that, you know, that, that, that that's a surefire way to screw up is start having, the, you know, a, um, a discussion about this while someone's eating um, because that then you're you're, you know, <laughs> that's that that often doesn't work i mean if they i when i'm when i'm in the presence of people who are consuming animal products um if they raise it i'll engage them but i generally don't bring it up i wait until afterward um and and uh, because as an as a just as a matter of as a practical matter uh while someone is eating an animal product starting to talk about that is is you're not going to you're not going to get the message heard very clearly um, but when I talk like to a large group, because uh, I, I mean, I, I spend much of my time talking to groups that of not non-animal people, of people who are, who are interested in the question, but they're not already involved in the, the animal movement. Indeed, uh, the latter group is much, much more difficult to educate in so many ways than is the former. Um, I, I will, I, I will say something like, look, I'm going to be making statements, which you might hear as, um, personal judgments about you and and let me cut to it none of us is perfect and we all have you know we all have our moral foibles and so this is really not a question of making moral judgments about individuals it's about the fact that we live in a world in which we face all sorts of moral problems and moral issues, and lots of times we don't even see them. They're so they're they're so pervasive, and our our way of approaching them is so conventionally accepted. We don't even see these moral questions, and and um, and so what we need to do is take a step back sometimes and think about the things that we do and assess them. And ask ourselves, what do we think about these 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 things that we do and and um you know, and so I always try to sort of put it in those in those terms that there are lots of moral moral issues out there, and lots of them we don't think about, and we should think about a lot more and and um and that the fact that someone gets us to think about a moral issue doesn't mean that they're saying we're bad people. Um, it just means that um, they're asking us to look at a way of uh, a, a, a type of behavior, which for some, which for various reasons um, uh, has been, has come to be accepted. I think those are the ones that are particularly difficult. The ones, you know, the things like, like when you're talking to people about eating animal products, it's like talking to people about breathing air 
or drinking water because they see that as such a normal thing that when you sort of raise it as a moral issue, at first they don't even understand it as a moral issue. You know, and so I, I think I think it's really important um, to 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 move it away from the individual. And when I get emails from people who say, you know, um, I heard you on Elizabeth Collins' podcast, and you know, I consume dairy, and do you think I'm a bad person? And I, I always reply to those things uh, by starting off saying, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not, in, I'm not interested in making moral judgments about you. I'm interested in getting you to think about your behavior. I'm interested in getting you to think about what sort of world do you want to live in? What is a right – I mean, you know, I mean, do you want to live in a world where you – know, do you think it's acceptable to live in a world where 29,000 children under the age of five die of starvation in a 90-day period? I mean, does that not blow your mind? Because if it doesn't, why doesn't it? You know, and, and we need to sort of think about these things. What sort of world do we live in? And, and we need to start thinking, you know, but we're not going to think about these issues if my asking you that question is heard by you as, well, you didn't contribute to any Somalian relief fund, so therefore you're a bad person, Elizabeth. You may point. have, you may not have. Um, uh, that's not the point. The point is, um, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the point is, do you want to, you know, do you not think that there's something bizarre about a world in which 29,000, you know, kids under five die of starvation in, in the same period of time that 75,000 Americans die of obesity-related diseases? Do you not see this as, as, a, as a fundamental injustice in terms of the distribution of resources and, and, and the treatment of people in non-Western countries and, and, and the, the, these sorts of issues of economic justice? I mean, this is it's not a question of whether you're a bad person because you didn't contribute to the Somalian. It's a question of what sort of world do you want to live in, Elizabeth? What sort of world do you want to live in? And, and what are the moral issues which are important to you and why are they important to you? And if they're not important to you, why aren't they important to you? And, you know, part of what's happened in the past 30 years or so, 40 years, is that we've lost track of how to talk about morality. As a matter of fact, I would say that a defining feature of the current generation of young people, you know, who are in their teens and early 20s is is a sort of a rejection of moral realism. Because moral realism really hasn't been part of the of the landscape of the of the the, the discourse landscape for a couple of decades now. Uh, and there are lots of reasons for that um, and lots of reasons for that, but they're sort of irrelevant. The bottom line is um, when you speak with people about morality, uh, a lot of them don't even understand what the discussion is about. That is, they see morality either as the normative expression of religion, of, you know, if they, if they have a religious view then the, the rules of that religious view are what they interpret as morality. Or, or they see morality as, as, you know, asking whether something is morally right or wrong is like asking whether you think, whether you like classical art or whether you like modern art. And, you know, now if I, if I were to ask you, 
you know, Elizabeth, you like modern art or classical art, and you say, well, I like modern art. And if I were to say, well, Elizabeth, that's wrong. You, 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 you really shouldn't like. You would say, well, you know, uh, that's an aesthetic thing. I, I don't really like classical art, and you know, I really, you know, modern art speaks to me, and it's really not a moral matter. It's an aesthetic matter. We really can't. We can't. We can't normatively or morally assess um, why I like classical art and you like modern art or why I like Pink Floyd and why you like something else or some, some other group or whatever. Um, and and um, these are aesthetic decisions. But aesthetic decisions and moral decisions are different. And unfortunately, I think we've lost the ability. We don't really have um, – uh, the the vocabulary anymore for seeing those questions as 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 different sorts of questions, which is why you see animal people say, "Well, veganism is a choice." As a matter of fact, I got an email yesterday from some guy who said, um, "The problem is that you present this as a matter of moral ideology. It's really just a matter of choice." And if you present it as a matter of moral ideology of what's right or wrong, then you're going to turn people off. And the answer is, yeah, it is a matter of moral ideology. As a, le- as a legal matter, it's a matter of lifestyle in the sense that you can choose to eat um, animal products or you cannot choose, uh, choose not to eat animal products, um, whatever. Yeah, sure, that's a choice. Um, and, you know, the, you have a choice as to whether or not you're going to consume pornography. Um, you have a choice as to all sorts of, uh, uh, of things. That doesn't mean there are not moral dimensions. And, and I think that, you know, and I think that, that, that um, if you look at the, 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 um, the literature of a lot of these large organizations, uh, even when they do talk about veganism. Um, it's or, an option. You know, it's it's an option. It's like a lifestyle option. And see, for me, a lifestyle option is: Do you prefer to take your summer holidays in you know in X rather than Y? Um, there may be moral dimensions to 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 some of these choices. I mean, uh, you know, you might say to me, you ought not to take your vacation in that that particular place because that particular government has really repressive uh, uh, policies with respect to this particular minority. So you really shouldn't go there and support that place. You should support this other place with your dollars. So go and take your vacation there. I understand that. That can have moral dimensions. But but if it's just a question, if you were to say to me, well, you know, I'm going on a holiday this year and, and I, I, I want to go to um, – you know, Eastern uh, New Zealand rather than Western New Zealand. Um, and I were to say to you, well, Elizabeth, you shouldn't do that. Now, you might say, well, why? Uh, and if I didn't have a good reason, y- you would, I think, find it bizarre to me that I was making ought statements about what you ought to do or ought not to do in the context of where you take your vacation, right? Um, but, but, this gets carried over to when we're talking about animals that, you know, people say, well, these are lifestyle choices. You know, these are and, – and to me, that's, that's, that's wrong. It's not a matter of it's – it's not a – you know, I, I mean, I, look, I'm a moral realist. I mean, I believe that, that um, there are – that, that, that um, uh, moral statements – are capable of being true or false, and at least some of them are true. Um, so that for me, the statement that the Holocaust was morally wrong has a truth value that is similar to the 
truth value that the statement, I am sitting on a chair in my office is true because I am sitting on a chair in my office right now. <laughs> um, and, and so that statement is true. Um, but the statement that the Holocaust was morally wrong is also true. Um, and, and it had, it, 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 in, 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 uh, uh, it has a, it has a truth value. It is not just a matter of my opinion as to whether the Holocaust was was right or wrong. So that if if I think it was okay, it's okay, and if you think it's not okay, it's not okay. No, the Holocaust was wrong, and I could give you lots of reasons why the Holocaust was morally wrong. But um, the idea that morality is a matter of opinion then gets us into this moral nihilism. Where nothing really becomes morally relevant. I mean, I mean, if you really believe all that, if you believe that that it's all just a matter of lifestyle choice, then how do you make? I mean, what what sorts of arguments do you make about anything? I mean, I mean, what 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 basis? Yeah, what, but are you basing it on? I mean, people will say it's a choice, and I'm like, yeah, and I could it's, I could choose to pick up a gun and shoot you in the head. I could choose to do that, but would you say? Well, that no. I they was... would say. They would say. They would say to you on that. They would say, "Well, yeah, but your choice is then constrained by the law because if you choose to do that, there will be there will be a response." Now, of course, you could follow up by saying, "Well, yeah, it would be illegal, but if if I were sure that I could wouldn't get caught, um, would it be immoral uh, 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 for me to shoot somebody if it were absolutely clear that I wasn't going to to to, to get caught?" Um, and so, you know, there there are all sorts of of of. I mean, morality is is to me. Um, uh, an extremely important activity, and um, and and the idea that we don't need moral theory is absurd. It is beyond absurd. So when I hear some of these animal people say, "Well, we don't need theory," and the answer is, you don't understand what you're talking about when you say we don't need theory. You need theory to understand what your action's going to be. If you don't know what the theory is, then you don't know what the action is going to be, and you'll have chaos. And at the very best, what you'll do is you'll have action that is dictated by the largest economic actors, which is what we have, isn't it? Absolutely. The whole welfare, the whole welfare reform paradigm is the default position because you've got a bunch of people who say, well, we don't need theory. We just need action. Well, in the, in the absence of theory, which tells you which informs you as to what actions you ought to take, what you're left with as the default position is that which is dictated by the, by the, the largest economic actors. Mm, very well so, put. I can so see that. So what, what you will have is the welfarist paradigm, and that's what you've got. So, so I mean, the idea – I mean, I hear, I hear activists say this all the time. They say, oh, well, we don't need theory. That's a waste of time. The answer is you don't understand what you're talking about. You can't possibly understand what you've just said because what you've just said is not <laughs> what you've just said is let's just seed it. Let's just let's just give it all up to the largest economic actors because we don't know what the hell we're doing. So we're just going <laughs> to let we're going to let the the largest organizations dictate what it is we should be doing. Oh well, I mean I'm I'm right there with you and I I um I encountered this very strange phenomenon where I I would say to someone because I always say you've got to stand up for what's right I'm guessing I'm a moral realist by the sounds of it because I think I am because I feel that 
I agree with you about the sitting on the chair and the Holocaust, right? And when I say let's, I, I, when I say we have to stand up for what's right to people, they take it that what I'm saying is I'm telling you what's right, so you have to agree with my opinion about what's right. And they start saying it's all about you, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, do you not think animal use is wrong? Because when I'm talking about what's right, I'm talking about this independent morale, you know, whatever you call it, this entity, this 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 thing, animal use, as being fundamentally wrong. And I thought you agreed with that, but now you're telling me it's a matter of my opinion. And now I'm like, who am I dealing with? Do you think, who am I dealing with now? I, I thought I was talking to another advocate who did agree about what's right and wrong. They just did a, disagreed about what what was the way to to achieve, you know, progress. But now you're questioning the rightness and the wrongness. I'm like... Do we need to have a conversation about the fundamental immorality of animal use before I can get you to agree that we have to promote what's right? Because I'm confused. I thought you claimed that you thought animal use was wrong. Do you know where I'm coming from, Gary? I mean, I, I got very confused. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, look, Elizabeth, I think the saving grace in all of this is that most people really do agree with the proposition that it's wrong to inflict unnecessary suffering and death on animals. Most people agree with that. What they don't agree about is what necessity means. But once you, once, once you get them to... You know, once once you get somebody to acknowledge that if if I grab this dog uh, off the street and just started blowtorching the dog for the for the hell of it because I enjoyed it, that I would be doing something wrong. Once you get them to that point, and that's not hard to get them to, then it's pretty easy to get them to see the morality of veganism. Because as a matter of fact, really, the only thing that we do with animals that isn't transparently frivolous is we use them supposedly to find cures for serious human illnesses. Now, I object to that, and I do not believe I, – I, I believe that that's bad science. I also believe it's immoral. But I think that that's the only interest – I mean that's, that's the only interesting question uh, that requires actually you know five minutes of, of discussion to conclude that it's wrong, um, <laughs> where, where, whereas everything else you can sort of dismiss – you know, as transparently frivolous, because once you accept that it's wrong to inflict unnecessary suffering and death on animals, then unless you're willing to acknowledge that necessity can be satisfied by reasons of pleasure, amusement, or convenience, which if you do, then you've got an exception which has swallowed up the rule, then you are left with eating them, wearing them, using them, using them for entertainment, using them for sport hunting, you, you know, uh, using them in movies, using them, et cetera, whatever, uh, you know, for carriage rides or for circuses or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever use you're going to make them can't be justified. And so, so I, but I do, I do think, I mean, the thing of it is, is that we need to, we need to think, we need to learn to, to think morally again. That's a, that's a, that's an activity that we have, uh, 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 you know, uh, we've, we've forgotten how to do. And, you know, when you don't do something, you get rusty. You know, if you don't exercise for a long time and then all of a sudden you exercise, you get, you know, you're stiff, you, you know, you, you end up straining yourself and spraining, spraining uh, muscles and whatnot because you're not used to exercising. Um, similarly, with moral thinking, you don't use it for a while and and you you stop forgetting how to do it and you start you know you start thinking about things in terms of aesthetic uh you know that everything's a matter of aesthetics and 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 it's not and and um you know it, it because look the bottom line is if morality is a matter of aesthetics then the genocide is bad if you think it's bad and if i think it's good it's okay exactly and 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 rape is bad. If you think it's bad, 
It's bad. If I think it's good, it's good. Yeah, and if you want to talk about choice, people can choose to rape. And in fact, in many countries, it's not a punishable crime. But nobody would ever justify it by saying, well, if they can choose to do it, then it must be okay. So it's just, it's tired. But you know, what you said about the young people, I have to say that they get turned on to it because the the best, um, sort of the only people who've uh, sort of um, really um, that I know of in New Zealand who are on board with... um, this concept what we're talking about is um, people who are very young and they do have that vocabulary and they've developed it and um, so I think there is hope I mean that that's the the, the generation it's it is there and um, they're there I agree with you that that this conf- that's why I like that's why I'm trying to do these websites that's why I talk to people the way I do when I talk to them um, because you know you you just talk to them about it and you get the cogs going and it's not a um, they are most people are are not evil you know people who want to like hurt people you know most people aren't. that's why soldiers have PTSD that's why you know I mean if they if they didn't I mean then then you know we'd have a problem but um so I think you're right about this this that that we're rusty but that's why I love the abolitionist websites that's why I love um when I when I do my street stall and I talk to people about you know the the, the sort of the basic morality and I use the terms and things that everybody's like that's you can't use that terminology da, 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 da. and I'm like I talk to people about the property status of animals and the moral personhood of animals and they we have a conversation about it they don't just look at me blankly um what I don't tell people is that they need to be compassionate and cut down on their animal products you know I don't that you know i don't think that that's having a moral discussion at all that's just letting people know that animals are things and i refuse to do that <laughs> 